Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. It's Friday, the end of another week, a beautiful Friday morning here in Bowling Green, Ohio, Sunnyside, Bowling Green, Ohio. Sunnyside. Um, Dominic somewhere else, but he can talk about that. Um, yeah, so episode 128. There you yes. go. There's your number, so you can yes. do the little finger bangs. And uh this is going to be an interesting episode because, for once, we are doing a MMA weekend preview. But this time, it's, you guys are going to kind of see the full scope because there is no UFC event to talk about this weekend. This all Bellator, all PFL. We do have some other news and stuff entailing fighters in the UFC or former fighters. I'm sure Dominic's going to love to get into those topics. Yeah. But um all in all, you guys are going to really get to see kind of the full scope of this new way of presenting our our podcast to you. And I'm very excited for this episode to really, you know, what's the, you know, we're really getting in there, like getting our, yeah, getting our elbows dirty. Gritty, dirty, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. But um, Dominic, how are you feeling, my friend? End of another week. Well, I tell you what, it has been quite the scorcher outside this week. It has been very hot. In the mm-hmm. state of Ohio, as, as it is around the country, I'm pretty sure anyway. But uh, it's good to be in the AC, in the recording studio. We're talking fights. Again, like Noah said, no UFC fights to break down, but we've got some news. We've got great fights in Bellator. we got a title fight. The PFL playoffs are starting. A lot of fun stuff to discuss. But first, Noah, how was your week, man? It's hot. That's yeah. for sure. And I don't have AC in this apartment. So. Yeah, that makes it worse. Yeah. Um, yesterday wasn't too bad because it rained uh, up here, so the temperature dropped uh, dramatically. Like I think it was in like the mid seventies or something mm, yesterday. Perfect. Yeah. Which was perfect. Um, so I was loving that. But the day before, so this would have been Tuesday. Um, it was. I think the heat index hit over a hundred up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the office that day. I had to do my final presentation for my my uh, co-op term I'm on right now. Uh, I decided I made the decision in the morning to wear a sweater under my suit. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> when I and this, by the way, this was our one year anniversary of doing this podcast that day. Yeah, yeah. So I, I get home and I and I take off my suit. And like my sweat drenched yeah. fucking sweater. And, you know, I'm just sitting there in my skippies. And <laughs> I, I look at my phone and Dominic's posted like, you know, the one year, like the, the nice little graphic he made and the post he put on the socials. And I'm like, sweet, I can share it. Then I just laid back. And as soon as my head hit the pillow, I was out <laughs> for gone. about six hours. <laughs> Woke up at about 11 o'clock and I was like, Shit, <laughs> yes, that ain't <laughs> happening. Um, so yes, Dominic, I apologize for uh, oh, no. you might you might have forgot our anniversary on the podcast. I forgot the to actual post it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes to post it on it's, social it's media. Right. But um, you guys don't care about our love affair. You care about true some MMA. Let's start with the fight announcements. Let's get into it. It starts with the late replacement. Kevin Lee was looking for a fight. His last he. His last name doesn't really have a pun there like Luke Rockhold, so uh, <laughs> he's just looking for a fight because yeah. his, uh, his fight with Sean Brady had fallen through. One man stepped up to the plate, and I got to tell you, Dominic, Ooh, man. this one actually really excites me, and that's yep. D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez, stepping in on August 28th. 
Dominic, I know this is, you know, two, two and a half week. So expectations should maybe be low for Daniel Rodriguez. However, we know how good this guy has proven to be as mm-hmm. of late. And, you know, Kevin Lee, there's a lot of variables with him right now coming back after a long layoff, reentering the division that he didn't quite have yeah. much success in the first time. What are you, your expectations, not necessarily stylistically, because we'll talk about that when the fight gets here, but just how much of a chance do you give a guy like Daniel Rodriguez in this matchup with Kevin Lee? I'm going to be honest. At first glimpse when this got announced, I'm like, you know what? This is perfect for Daniel Rodriguez. He's a very big welterweight first mm-hmm. off. Um, and Kevin Lee, as we know, was a former lightweight when he tried his hand at 170 before it didn't go his way. He's trying it again, obviously. But uh, I think he's a very well-rounded striker. And if he can defensively stare away uh, from Kevin Lee's wrestling, I really, really think there's a good chance for D-Rod to get the biggest win of his career here. I'm glad he stepped up on short notice. He's made a career so far in the UFC out of being super active, taking fights on short notice. He's 5-1 and one in the organization. We've seen kind of the competition dips and when he does fight up. And so he's really starting to put it all together uh, on our tear right now. I think it's a perfect fight. Like you said, it's, it is a three week notice thing, but I think it actually plays into his favor quite well. Hmm. That's an interesting point. I, I like that. I, I don't know if I quite, um, again, I I'm trying to keep my expectations low mm-hmm. for his actual chances of winning here, but there is a, you know, this isn't like a guy coming in that you feel like has, you know, I think of like a uh, when Habib took uh, on uh, Ally Quinta. You know, yeah. nobody really gave Rage and Al a chance in that fight. I mean, that was like different one day or whatever. Yeah. Notice. But my, my point is that um, I love the matchup because I was like, you know what? I think Daniel Rodriguez is the type of guy who could step up to the plate on this yep. amount of notice. He, his style doesn't isn't so meticulous that he, in my opinion, from watching him with the eye test, I, I haven't really seen him to be a guy that like maybe needs that much preparation. Mm-hmm. He almost seems like a guy that kind of just flows in the cage. Like as yes. soon as the the fight happens, he kind of just gets into a groove. Yeah, he just sort of flows and uh, maneuvers his way around, kind of adjust based on what he sees in the actual octagon. And yes, there will be some some things he'll be missing from kind of lack of preparation time. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, Kevin Lee's taking this fight on short notice too. Sure. Yeah. He's had more time to prepare his body. Um, he is going up a weight class. So making weight shouldn't be a problem for him. Um, but, you know, getting his cardio right and everything like that shouldn't be a problem. He should have yeah. an edge in those aspects, potentially considering he has more time to prepare himself. But I personally really like this fight, and for Daniel Rodriguez especially, I mean, this is a no-lose situation for him. Exactly. Even if he gets stomped here, what do you really lose from that? I mean, he took the fight on short notice. People like the guy. They like his style. He's starting to kind of – starting to get his name out there a little more. I I like that. And this is just another name to add to a potential list, and it could really propel him into some top 10, top 15 matchups that I personally wouldn't mind seeing for the guy at this point. You took the words out of my mouth, my friend. (laughs) A week later on September 4th, two top 15 heavyweights. Yeah, I know Dominic's excited about this one because the guy he's very high on, number 13 ranked Tom Aspinall is back. 
Yep. Another guy's back after a couple years off. I wasn't sure if we'd ever see him again. It's been a while. <laughs> Number 15 ranked Sergey Pavlovich. Now, when I saw this fight announcement, I'm not I'm gonna be honest. I went, I'm a little underwhelmed. While both guys on the surface are in similar places, mm-hmm. when you really take into account where they're at in their careers, they're completely different. I mean, Pavlovich, yeah. again, what is it, a two-year-plus layoff? Yeah. Has he fought since he lost to Overeem? I, let me – you talk first, yeah. and I'll check it for you. So, I'm curious. I, I know it's like a two-year-plus layoff, which, you know, we – especially once you have the COVID year, a year yeah. and a half or whatever we had um, – that it's kind of becoming, I guess, it's. I feel like we're always talking about fighters on a week to week that have like a year plus layoff. But um, for him, Pavlovich was sort of a rising prospect in some ways. One of those guys that, in my opinion, I looked at as more like an Augusto Sakai, mm-hmm. like not really a true prospect in my eyes, like more of a not really a contender, a future contender, but a guy who could fill out your top 15 because heavyweights always never really one of the, the, the most stacked divisions. Yeah. Um, and I, when he fought over him, I thought he kind of proved that and that over him really kind of ran through him. But that's a tough matchup. While Aspinall has been really passing a lot of his tests, I thought he would have more trouble with Andre Arlovsky yeah. than he did. And he even showed he could do it, get it done on the ground, yeah. which is not supposed to be one of his strengths. And he weathered he, a small storm from sure, Andre too. Sure. So for Aspinall, this is – a test in some ways, but it, I think when I when I say I'm underwhelmed, I think it was more so that I thought Aspinall might be ready for someone a little bit further along that would maybe pose a bigger test. Maybe someone like Augusto Sakai, yeah, who has been fighting more frequently, even if he's on a losing streak. I felt like that might have been a more better matchup at this point. Yeah. Um, so on Pavlovich, as we were doing some research. He did lose that fight to Overeem. That was November of 2018. He did fight two more times. Okay. So he is on a two-fight win streak, but the last one was against Maurice Green, and that was October of 2019. This fight's going to be September of 2021, so nearly two full years, and he's coming back right now against, truthfully, the biggest or the second biggest between him and Chris Dawkins prospects in the heavyweight division right now in Tom now, who's surging very quickly. He catapulted his way to the top 15. He finished his fights. He's well-rounded. Um, so I think this is a good stylistic fight, one that I didn't expect for Aspinall either. And I think maybe in terms of should Tom win, this would kind of be that last little test before, okay, we're going to see this guy launch into that top 10 next with his next fight. So uh, in a way, it is sort of a prospect-prospect fight, but we just haven't seen Sergey in so long. And when he did get thrown in with the biggest name being Overeem, he faltered in that one via KO. So it's an interesting fight, but it's two top 15 guys. It should be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, final one here. This one coming from the PFL, who mm-hmm. we'll be talking about quite a bit in this episode. But Clarissa Shields, she finally gets kind of the announcement of her long-awaited return. She's going up against Abigail Montez. This will be happening on October 27th. Yep. Dominic Tell me if I'm wrong, but weren't wasn't Clarissa Shields supposed to be fighting this month? Is this is this the confirmation that this, that that her? Am I wrong on that? Is this, is this no, a delay? Yeah. We talked about this, I think maybe even a month or so ago now, but it was rumored that her next fight was going to be on the August 19th card with Kayla Harrison next week. 
but apparently that didn't go through. And I mean, it kind of makes more sense just because they're still doing all the semifinal stuff right now, and they want Clarissa to be on a on a main card, obviously. So I feel like booking her in August when it's down to just the finals and stuff for the PFL, she's going to be put on a main card there. So, uh, yeah, they, there was no opponent when we originally discussed the potential August fight. Now we know there's opponent Abigail Montes happening October 27th. So exciting get, to get Clarissa in there twice in her first year of competition uh, and to see what she'll do. I'm always uh, curious to see how she's going to round out her skill set even more as she goes through these camps. Yeah, and her opponent here is a completely unknown. This is a 21-year-old, mm-hmm. 2-0 professional MMA fighter. Um, a big step up for Montez here, obviously. Yeah. It's it's just interesting because we know how elite Clarissa Shields is in her boxing. Yeah. But everywhere else, this fight is somewhat even. And we saw if in not, her first fight how it was, you know. Yeah, I mean, if not even – Honestly, she might even be at a disadvantage in all of these fights when it comes to her grappling. Yeah. You know, in a fight with Montez here, I'd be, who knows? I, the girl's 21, but I don't know her background. I don't know her backstory, how long right. maybe she's been training, what her, you know, where her true background lies. Um, she does have one win via decision and then one win via ground and pound. Um, that doesn't really say a whole lot, obviously. It comes from Mexico, which a lot of times, not to, uh, I don't know if this would be considered stereotyping, but a lot of fighters that come from Mexico do tend to have a boxing-heavy style, mm-hmm. um, boxing being very big in Mexico. Yeah. So wouldn't surprise me if they're giving her a bit of a striker matchup here, which should only be of, to her benefit. Um, it's a tough fight for a girl like Abigail Montez, 21, 21 years old. Again, you you got to think that she might be more advanced than – Clarissa Shields and some of these other aspects of MMA, but we don't really know just because the girl's so young, so new in the professional MMA. I mean, she's literally going to, she's got one more professional MMA fight than Shields does, which doesn't really paint the whole picture, but I think it tells you a little bit that it's a appropriate matchup probably for Shields here, but it might be a bit of a gimme once it actually goes down. I'll be, I'll be interested to see. I wonder if the the matchmakers for the PFL had a bit of a heart attack the during Clarissa's first yeah. fight. They thought maybe that one might go a little smoother, and instead there was some rough patches in there, and they might have freaked out. Um, but no, I, I I just still respect Clarissa. You know, continuing oh, yeah. to put it, go through the grind, put in the work, and for Montez step up here, she has no reason not to. Biggest fight she's might ever have, and could potentially shock the world. Exactly. And then she could say, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> this is true. If she actually gets on and says that, <laughs> if she wins, that'd be pretty wild. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for our fight announcements here. And let's move into the news segment. And Dominic. Uh, <laughs> I just went from the biggest smile. <laughs> a fan favorite returns. Things yeah, sure. that make us sad. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to make this a thing. At because... least this one's not as long as the first time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we start with one that is sad, but also probably just, you know, you, this is more of a celebration of a career here. Yeah. That's for Jacare Souza. He announced officially his retirement. Yep, Gator Hands announces his retirement from professional MMA. I was actually kind of surprised that he retired. I felt like it should have been time. I mean, he did get his arm snapped in his last yeah. fight with Andre Munez. And that was, you know, Munez was a very 
highly touted BJJ fighter, but Jacques Gracie is one of the best jiu-jitsu fighters of all time. Yeah. So for him to get beat in that aspect, that was like kind of telling like, wow, you know, maybe it's just every, you know, the, he's just past that point of mm-hmm. now this game's kind of passed him by. Um, I just want to say that like, it's so weird because when I first started watching, like I mentioned multiple times, UFC 199, so around 2016, when I started watching on a very hardcore basis, Jacare was one of the top guys that was vying for yep. a title shot. And I remember we would speculate on when he would get that title shot, and he never did, yep. which is a bit of a downer. But the guy had a great career, um, always in a lot of fun fights, a very just dominantly at one point and dominant, scary, and terrifying fighter to yep. watch. Um, he had a great run. Ultimately, never really got that title shot or that title win to maybe, I guess, put the cherry on top of his UFC career. But the guy was uh, an amazing fighter in strike force. When he comes over to the UFC, he had a great run as well. So, um, obviously, probably would have wanted it to end a little better, but that's the way it always goes in the fight game. Um, that's usually when you know it's time to check out. So, all respect to him. And hopefully, I'm going to say fingers crossed he stays retired, truthfully. Yeah, I mean, another legend here, Brazilian MMA. I mean, like you said, an incredible Strike Force fighter. Strike Force champion, I think, or am I wrong? I don't remember. But either way, a legend in Strike Force. One of the best fighters in the UFC to never get a title shot. We've talked about that on here before. Um, and like you said, he, he kind of welcomed in that next generation of jiu-jitsu fighter in that last fight with Munez. And we saw the results. So, you know, he's over the age of 40. He was kind of on that decline. So maybe it's the right decision. And I thought I saw that he still wants to do some like Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournaments and competition. Like he started out, but he's done with like actual MMA mm-hmm. fighting competition, which is good. I mean, still doing what he loves and that passion of BJJ. Again, one of the best practitioners we've seen in the sport. So my hat's off to uh, Jacare Souza, a legend. There will never be another person entered the octagon in cooler fashion than Jacare Souza. <laughs> true that, true that. Now the last one for this this headline here. I <laughs> can't wait to hear Dominic's thoughts on this one. This is all Dominic that gets to talk in this segment uh, here. And that's because Triller Boxing has announced um, one of their next done it again. Next big headliners. They have taken Anderson Silva, who has um, probably deservedly at this point uh, earned himself, I guess, a big boxing fight. Um, he did look very good in his last one against um, Julio Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who had a good record. But um, from what I understand, obviously we're not uh, as, you know, we're very casual boxing admirers or viewers. Um, But from what I understand, I guess that Jr., despite his good record, is kind of an embarrassment to the sport was a lot of what I was seeing and stuff. Um, So I guess the guy's not, uh, I don't know, he's not people's, favorite fighter apparently there's a lot of weird stuff there um regardless anderson silva looks great we there was a lot of rumors on maybe who his next fight might be and turns out it's going to be tito ortiz so um we're going to talk about it here because these are two former ufc champions who are going to be boxing as a headliner for a thriller event in case you can't tell by the way i'm presenting this um not huge into this idea, but Dominic, I want to yeah. get your thoughts here. Well, 
I don't like it. This really came out of left field because I was already not big on Anderson going to boxing to begin with, and that was against a professional boxer. But then he pulls out this amazing win, and the storylines were awesome. He showed out for the MMA community. We talked about it on the show, how amazing he looked, a legitimate decision victory. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I mean, if he still looks this good and he's not taking this much damage, maybe he can do some cool boxing events like this with older boxers or, you know, I didn't like the idea of one of the rumored fights that was going to happen and it didn't. Um, But then this came out of nowhere. Tito Ortiz. I don't know if this guy has ever been in a boxing match in his life. He's also over the age of 40, mid forties, like Anderson. I don't even know. Was the last time Tito fought, was that the Liddell fight or did he fight after that? I believe he's fought after that for combate. Okay. Um, either way, this is just ridiculous. I don't know why this is happening, but Triller Boxing does it again. They just grab the most random names, put them together, and now it's happening in literally like a month from now. So it's definitely just strange, and I don't really know how this came together so quickly and how out of the blue, like there were no rumors of Tito at all or anything, and then boom, here it is. So I think it's at 195 pounds, eight rounds, uh, a legitimate – fight so I, there has to be like a decision on the judges scorecards if i'm not mistaken sometimes we see where there's not any decisions and their draws and that don't make any sense anyway this whole boxing thing going on these days is not my biggest cup of tea but damn it i just hope anderson silva goes out and puts on another showcase uh tito's a legend of the ufc and he's on noah's mount rushmore and he was a huge name and helped the ufc grow substantially in its dark days but this is just very wacky, very out there. I do not like it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to keep of, rambling, so just go. Sorry, it cracks me up whenever you say that because he's not actually on my Mount Rushmore. But oh, I thought he was. I think Forrest Griffin was, but uh, um, it's an awesome. I, I he was definitely like up there though, probably more than where most people would probably put him at for sure. Um, yeah, so. I mean, you, you guys can tell we don't really even want to. It's like not even really excites us to talk about this. What's unfortunate here is that I felt like there was an opportunity to cash in. I guess if you're team, I mean Anderson Silva, I'm sure is getting a, ch- a nice payday yeah. for this, which good for him and for Tito. You know, both guys, if they want big paydays, they deserve it. You know, they put a lot of years yeah. and time into combat sports. You know, they they should be able to cash out a little bit. However, for Anderson, it felt like he kind of had almost earned like an actual high-profiled boxing fight. And this just comes off as a bit of a freak show fight um, against Tito Ortiz, who, again, I believe has never fought professionally in boxing, was never known for his boxing. He's a wrestler. Um, You know, he was – there was the one – the long rumored fight he was supposed to have with Dana White. Uh, Do you remember that, Dom? Yeah, yeah. He was supposed to have a boxing fight with Dana White for years, and that never came to be. Um, so instead, we're going to see him box Anderson Silva. I can't imagine this is going to go great for him. No, but, I mean, think. who the fuck knows, man? I mean, it's just um, – am I going to watch this? No. Do I think this makes any business sense? No. Like, I don't see this doing – like, sure, do we love Anderson Silva and Tito Ortiz? Sure. But nobody gives a shit about either one of these guys that much anymore. I mean, if Anderson, I think there was a way to get people more to continue that interest 
in Anderson Silva's boxing run. And this was, but I think they just kind of pooed on it. They just kind yeah, of yeah. They farted in church, you know. They just yeah. and um, instead now everybody's like, okay, yeah, I don't care anymore. Precisely. So you look at like when Chuck, uh, excuse me, Tito Ortiz fought Chuck Liddell a third time. That was you know back in the day that was like one of the biggest rivalries in MMA history. I think it was the first event to cross a certain barrier of pay-per-view buys for the UFC. I want to say it was like 100,000. I think so. Because yeah. I think at that time that was just the, the yeah. threshold, yeah. But it was a huge deal back then, and the second fight did even better. Um, however, the third time they fought, which, again, you have all that history and whatnot, it sold like 50,000. It was like one of the worst performing pay-per-view cards ever. Yeah. So I'm not saying this is going to do that bad, but I'm just saying, like, it ain't going to do much better. This is opinion. one of the most random combat sports announcements I've ever seen in my yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, again, I, I agree with you, Dominic. The, 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 what's going on right now with kind of, you know, we, we've not – I'm sure it's – I'm sure our silence is deafening on here when we don't talk about a lot of the YouTube boxing and whatnot – but again, we're not a boxing podcast, but whenever yeah. MMA kind of gets involved, we try to talk about it. I know we haven't talked about Tyron Woodley's fight, but like we're trying to avoid we're trying to keep it as yeah. strictly to the to the professionals in my in our eyes. Um but it's becoming harder and harder putting those fights on. But it it's more so just becoming like look at what we're how we're talking now. Like it's something we don't want to talk about, but you just can't really ignore it. Which again, I guess, is a credit to them. But like, I don't know how I don't know how long lasting that kind of model is. Where it's like, all right, it feels like a big deal, so I guess we got to talk about it. But I have no interest in it. Like, and I think a lot of people aren't really having that much interest in these fights. I think they're just, I don't know. I think people just for a while are like kind of. I think for a while that 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 uh, bubble can build where it's like, mm-hmm. ooh, can the YouTuber knock out a UFC champion or um, just a former fighter or whatever? But I don't think once you stop, you know, if Tyron Woodley gets knocked out and then the YouTuber has to go fight, now it has to be like an actual boxer. Yeah. And eventually this is going to run out of steam somewhere. Yes, like it, it can it only last stop. so long. Yeah, because the skill levels eventually are going to be quite disproportional in the yeah. YouTuber's favor. So, yeah, I don't know. That's that's my thoughts. I, I don't plan on talking much about Triller Boxing, but it was hard to ignore when two legends get put up against each other, unfortunately. And that is why it is in the things that make us sad category. <laughs> yes. So let's Moving move on. into Bellator. <laughs> Bellator 264 is happening this Friday, correct? It's happening on Friday, right? Friday, yep. Yep. So the middleweight. measure watching, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the middleweight world championship is on the line. Former UFC middleweight, but now pretty dominant middleweight in Bellator. Gegard Musasi, who is the champion, looks to make the second defense of his title against number one ranked number one contender john salter i put it in the headline here that it's a bit of a styles clash but it almost when i say that it almost feels like i'm discrediting the advancements that gay has made in his all-around game over the years yeah. 
Is he more known as a striker? Potentially, but he's so good everywhere that I don't think it really – I don't think there's, like, too much of a dip when he right. goes to the ground at this point. While for Salter, he is a bit more um, specialized. You know, he is quite a good submission specialist, which is very dangerous. If you, you know, submissions, you can get caught in those a lot of times when you get tangled up yeah. in a lot of sprawls and things like that. But – Dominic, what chances do you give for the the um, the guy going for the title here in John Salter? And for Gegard with the win here, what would what potentially is um, you know his ceiling here in Bellator? Because he never quite got the chances he should have gotten in the UFC, and a lot of that was because the UFC just didn't find him marketable enough. Yeah, I think contractual they, problems. Yeah, there was just a lot of issues between him and the UFC. And a lot of that because he was a better fighter than he was, I guess, than his um, fan support would uh, value. I don't know if that's the right wording. Like he, yeah. he wasn't quite popular. He's kind of like a Leon Edwards at middleweight, like a yeah. guy who just didn't have really the fan support, but he was but very really good, good and yeah. should have been fighting for a title. Yeah. So now that he's in Bellator, where he has made quite a big splash, been in some big fights already. With the win here, is there you know a chance we see him go up to light heavyweight or something like that? You know, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you never know. I, I'm curious, really, in this matchup, just because, like you said, it is sort of a stylistic clash, but at the same time, it's not because over the years, I mean, Musasi's had like 56 professional fights, which is just crazy, and Salter's no slouch either. I mean, he's had 19 fights, but I still wonder when you break down those actual numbers, the biggest factor in this title fight is the experience of Musasi and all of the big names and the big fights that he's been in across multiple huge organizations. He's going on for his second title defense now in Bellator, but for John who is eight and one in Bellator in his own right and is very good. He's like 18 and one. It's just a big step up for him at the same time. And should he be able to kind of, do his thing, get this to the grappling realm. I still think he does hold the advantage. Um, specifically, I mean, he's got 10 of his wins via submission, seven by knockout. So he's finished 17 out of 18, which is very impressive. But Musasi finishes fights like crazy too. I mean, he's got 47 wins, 36 of them or something crazy have been by finish. So both these guys are going to come out, and I think it's going to be a chance for John to really make a statement for himself, make a name for himself in Bellator because – as I was telling you off recording, he kind of just slowly crept in to this title fight in Bellator, and all of a sudden here he is fighting uh, Gegard Mousasi. So a real big chance for him to make a statement against a guy that has so much experience, and that's going to be the biggest factor for me. How can he kind of uh, counteract that and get this into his realm? Because against a guy in Mousasi who is so well-rounded, that's very hard to do. Well, also you got to consider with that experience for – Musasi is going to come the reverse end of that, the accumulation of damage, you know, how long can he really still go at this high of a level? I will say for a guy with that many professional fights, it doesn't feel like he's really taken a lot of damage in his career. You know, he has not that he hasn't been in a lot of exciting fights, but it feels like for the most part, he has relatively stayed on the, on the positive end as far as like, you know, it feels like he's usually given out a lot more damage than he's taken. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's definitely interesting here for because that's just such a 
even with Souter not necessarily being – he's not new to professional MMA, but – It still um, feels like he is. It's over almost. double the amount of fights for yeah. a gay guard. And uh, Souter is just a more specialized skill set here. So, sure, that might make him dangerous and that he might have the most elite skill in that cage. But he, every fight starts on the feet. He's he got to find a way together. to get it there. And for Gegard, you know, this isn't going to feel – for him, I think he's going to be very calm, cool, collected. He's yeah. been in fights bigger than this one. He's been in oh, so many fights, obviously, before this. While for Salter, this is the biggest fight of his career to this yeah. point. So there's definitely going to be difference in mindsets there, and we'll see who's kind of ends up being the one that's probably more appropriate. Yeah, well said. Let's talk about the feature bout for mm. Bellator 264. That's right, not the co-main event, but the fight that I think, honestly, in my opinion, is probably the fight I'm most excited for on this yes. entire card, and that's including the main event. And that's the Bantamweight showcase that we were supposed to get uh, a couple weeks ago. With we, on the yeah. Pitbull card, yeah. Mm-hmm. As number four, Rafael Stotts is going up against number three, Magomed Magomedov. And my question here, Dominic, based on what we know about these two guys, Stotts is a bit of a workhorse, but um, not necessarily a high finishing rate guy. He's a guy yeah. that really knows how to kind of win rounds, and he's very good at that. While Magomedov is in that same mold of a lot of these Russian guys that you keep seeing nowadays. He's, he's a very highly trained grappler, quite the mauler, if you will. Yeah. Because of that, you have an interesting fight here. And my question is, does the, I guess, um, for this matchup, does the implications outweigh what the actual action we might see in the cage Mm. Friday night? Oh, that's a good question because, as you say, both these guys, you know, I mean, Magomed have a few more finishes to his favor, but this is a guy that, again, I'm going to – this is going to be like a long answer. So if I don't actually directly answer, force me to answer it. I might forget Mm. it in the process. But for Stotts, like you said, a guy that gets a lot of – um, decisions. He's only got seven finishes in his career out of 16 wins. Uh, and if you're fighting a guy, uh, you know, like Magomed here, Magomedov, good luck getting a decision victory over him because if he gets his hands on you, he is not letting go for 15 or even 25 straight minutes unless he finishes you. So uh, I feel like this is a fight that Stotts has to be aggressive and he has to get a finish because as good as he may be and as well-rounded as he may be, he's 16-1 and one in his own right. He's on an eight-fight win streak. He's on a tear. I don't know if there's anyone that's going to compete in the grappling realm with Magomed Magomedov. He's 2-0 and in Bellator. We talked about this um, way early on in our podcast, how this is one of the biggest signings uh, in MMA at that time when he got signed with Bellator, and he's shown why. He's 2-0 since being signed, and he's absolutely ragdolled and dominated both opponents, and he makes it look easy. So, yeah, man, do the implications outweigh the action we could see? I think they do in a certain extent because it does seem like it's a number one contender fight, right? But with these guys, you might get a drawn-out fight where it could be very one-sided, and maybe there isn't a finish. Maybe it's just utter control for one of them, lean more on control for Magomed. So, um, 
yeah, I think the implications do outweigh the actual action we could see. And I could be proven wrong. My mission finish, a TKO finish, um, Stotts could do the same. Like I said, I just really think he has to come out and be very aggressive here because over the course of three rounds, uh, it's going to be very, very hard for him to come out and get this win. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's interesting. I I don't know – I don't know how much I uh, – I do kind of value Stotts' ability to go the yeah. full 15 minutes. Uh, Magomedov has, I would say, proven that he can do the same. Like, they both have very high work rates. Um, so because of that, I really think that this fight is still pretty close. Like, I feel like – no, I don't think uh, the full 15 minutes favors either guy, really. Okay. In my opinion, I just think that um, either guy can take advantage at any point. Like, I don't think cardio is going to be the battle here, but I do agree. And that is kind of why I posed the question that I feel the implications of the result do outweigh probably the actual action you'll see. You know, we're anticipating this fight. We're excited for this fight. This is the fight I'm most excited for on this card. And honestly, that's not a knock on this card. It's just that's how big this fight feels for yeah. me however i understand that the actual action might be a bit on the boring side it might either be a bit one-sided or it might be like you said a lot of control a lot of top position um which is not necessarily the most exciting thing in the world we can admit that yeah. so because of that i think the implications do sort of suppress and the winner here even though they're both really I almost want to call them prospects, but they're top five ranked bantamweights. So yeah. the winner here should be next for the title against Sergio Pettis, which will be a really big fight, really fun, looking for, forward to whoever gets matched up with him. And the loser should still be right there. Oh, yeah. I, I just I think a lot of people going in here are going to count out Stotts' actual um, chances. I think Magomedov is the one that's got probably garnered more uh, hype, hype for himself, yeah. and I will be interested to see how Stotts sort of, you know, how does he look once he steps in there with them? Because, in my opinion, I think this fight could end up being really close. In my head right now, like I have a hard time picking the winner. Do I tend to side with Magomedov? Probably, but I still just, you know, it, there's I go back and forth. Well, I think a lot of people are more certain that this is just going to be another win for Magomedov. So, very much looking forward to see. How does this fight live up? But how does this fight surprise me as well? Because I think there's a lot that could be surprising about this matchup once it unfolds. Yeah, and just real quick, too, when we talk about, you know, even in our headline here, a showcase and how the MMA community, hardcore fans are really excited for this. Okay, so this is the biggest stage each of these guys have been given on a, you know, fight with the title uh, and the main event slot, a featured bout. How are they going to perform under the brightest lights of their career so far, too? That could maybe play a small factor. I know they've been in there with tough competition, but there are just numerous small details in a fight this close stylistically that could make a big difference. Agreed. Let's move into the PFL. The playoffs have begun for the PFL. And for this week, we start with the welterweight playoffs and the lightweight playoffs, correct? So. I don't know. I'm not necessarily going to go fight by fight, um, Dominic, but I think we can just kind of give our thoughts on which matchups are you excited for? Who kind of, who's maybe someone that interests you in each of these divisions to really potentially go the whole, go all the way and win the whole thing? Um, Obviously, I think the big one 
at in the welterweight division, Rory yeah. McDonald and Ray Cooper to third. These were the two guys that I've kind of wanted to see fight mm-hmm. in this uh, bracket. And now that we get to actually see them, I'm very much looking forward to this fight. I think this fight, you know, Rory has the name value, but Ray Cooper to third is dangerous. a dangerous man and has looked really good so far for the PFL. While Rory has looked really good in his own right, definitely got screwed in his last <laughs> matchup, which is kind of interesting because he lost to Glayson T. via decision, which nobody besides the two judges that scored it for him thought yeah. he won. But now T-Bow is unfortunately not able to compete. Yeah. So it almost like, and this is, you know, I hope T-Bow, whatever's going on with him, I hope he recovers. And this is not me saying that it's good, but it's almost like the, the it kind of, for in terms of for this playoffs, they almost like righted the ship, like kind of. Like the rightful four guys. Are yeah. Still like, like, yeah. Like, I'm not sure. Like T-Bow might maybe should still be in here, but mm-hmm. you know, the number one seeds now, out like the top guy yeah. technically so um because of that sabadu sai gets to yeah. step in here who's not doesn't have the prettiest record in the world hasn't necessarily made quite the splash in the pfl this season but he's going to be looking to make a big statement over magomed magomed karimov there's a lot of magomeds on this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but magomed karimov might despite what i just said about rory and ray cooper Magomed Karimov might be horse. my favorite to actually win the whole tournament. Um, yeah. That guy is, um, as his name would make you suggest, dangerous guy in his own right. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so we'll just do a little welterweight bundle discussion and lightweight bundle discussion. Yeah. So um, the main event, McDonald and Cooper, super excited for that one. Obviously, everybody knows Roy McDonald, a former title challenger in the UFC, been in the greatest fight of all time, in our opinion, against Robbie Lawler. Uh, he's the number two seed here against number three seed Ray Cooper. And, you know, it's still so wild to me that Rory McDonald is still only 32 years old. That is just mind-boggling stuff. Another super fun fact that I had to mention, because I don't know if we've ever seen this on the Belarvage Joe's MMA podcast. Both of these gentlemen have the same exact professional MMA record, 22 wins, seven losses, one draw. I had to throw it out there. Anyways, <laughs> for the stylistic fight, this is mm-hmm. um, this is fun because McDonald is super well-rounded, a great grappler, a great striker. Ray Cooper, on the other hand, he kind of comes out and you know how he's going to want to do it. He's going to stand and bang, and he has one punch knockout power. Um, now, McDonald has shown time and time again to take some great shots. See the Robbie Lawler two-fight, for example, if you need to see anything. So this is interesting. And it's the biggest fight of Ray Cooper's career, even though he is, you know, a PFL vet. I mean, he's 9-2-1 in the PFL, so he's been there and done that. And Rory, obviously, just 1-1, one one, should be 2-0, but still the biggest name he's fought, the biggest fight of his life to get into the finals. Very excited to see that one play out. And for the other hand, on the other hand, for Magomed, Magomed Haripov and Sadabo Sai, that's a tongue twister of a matchup there. <laughs> Um, I do think that even though Magomed is the last seed, quote-unquote, Sai is technically number five, but that's because he got put in late. Number four seed is supposed to be the last in the semifinals, and Magomed, that's just because he didn't get, like, you know, the point numbers and all this and that. Mm. But he is on a tear in his own right right now. I have the notes. Twelve fights in a row, Noah, that this man has won. Obviously, he's undefeated in the PFL, and I think that this is a guy that can come out and smash 
his way into becoming a PFL champion, uh, win the million dollar grand prize. So that's a low key sleeper fighter that really throughout this whole tournament hasn't been touched on much up until this fight week. And obviously he had Habib speaking on him and stuff this week. So really look out for Magomed here to make a statement and uh, go out, beat the uh, Sadabosai, the guy that got put in late to the semis. And he poses a very, very tough stylistic fight for either winner of McDonald and Ray Cooper the third. Mm-hmm. On the other end, for our lightweights, I'm just going to be honest, um, this this division's probably the one I feel the least confident in. Mm-hmm. Um, out of pretty probably all the divisions in terms of like how I think it's going to go. Um, obviously, the Anthony Pettis not living up has really kind of yeah just made this just very confusing for me. Like it just, I, he was really like a favorite going in and hasn't really panned out. But I really think if I had to guess, the winner of Clay Collard and Ross Manfio, the two three matchup, I really think has the the skill set and the yeah. intangibles to win this whole tournament. Now, you do have your number one seed, Loic Rods, Rodzabov. Nice, nice. Um, but truthfully, that guy's, as you can tell by my pronunciation, I was shocked when I saw this guy was the one seed. I was like, who? I said, if I missed this guy's fights in the PFL, like I, I had to kind of go back and look, and I was like, okay, I guess I kind of remember him fighting. Sorry, Luke, for that, but um, because, like, just because I, I, I didn't really see anything. I guess all that spectacular, and obviously he got the points to be the one seed. So yeah. he's he's putting on some performances here, but I have just been so impressed with the way Clay Collard and Rosh Manfio have looked. Rosh Manfio looked really good against Anthony Pettis. Yeah, um, that's where my head kind of goes here. I don't know a whole lot about Alexander Martinez either. So that one four matchup is really a that's a dark horse. That's a wild yeah. card matchup for me because there's just not much I know about those two guys, even despite watching this season of the BFL. Well, yeah, for the number one seed in Loic, as you mentioned, kind of a guy that you were shocked when you saw he was the one seed. He's three, three, and one in the PFL. I mean, a very back and forth career within the organization. Um, I mean, even his overall record, 14-3-1, so all of his losses have came in the PFL when he's faced his toughest competition for what it's worth. Alexander Hernandez, he is 8-1, and one, but again, just 1-1 one and one in these playoffs here. He's the four seed. He is the youngest guy out of the lightweights here. But as you mentioned, Clay Collard, Roush Manfio, I feel like that 2-3 matchup, um, the winner there could be the heavy front runner to kind of run away and get that final win to become the champion. Uh, for Cassius Clay, I think he has uh, a lot of intangibles, a lot of weapons. He's very well-rounded. He's the most experienced of the four finalists uh, in the lightweight division. But Manfio just got the biggest win of his career, like you mentioned, against Pettis. And he looked really good doing it. I know it was a very close fight, but he almost finished Anthony Pettis. So he looked solid in all aspects of his game. I think that one definitely um, – th- just the lightweight division, as you mentioned when we went into the discussion – is kind of the most up-in-the-air, kind of uh, interesting matchups between all of the divisions as we go through these next few weeks with the PFL. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm very excited to see, you know, what PFL kind of does here, maybe even with their format, like how they – their presentation, if you will. Do they bring anything exciting for the playoffs here? It's um, always I've unique. Been, 
I've been so impressed with the PFL mm-hmm. this season that you yeah. know they've been a promotion that's kind of bored me in past seasons. You know, I've not been. I, I try to watch it. I'm like, ah, I just couldn't get into it. But something about this season, they've really put it all together. Yeah. Not even with their high, you know, for the most part, their their big signings haven't panned out that <laughs> That's much. That's true. So um, it's not even been that. It's just that it seems like the format's coming together. Yeah. And, um, yeah, because of that, I hope they really stick the landing here in the playoffs. Hopefully no uh, bad bad mojo for them. Um no, no, no limp dick finishes here in the playoffs is what Goodness I'm hoping gracious. for. Yeah, um, I'm excited. Yeah, but that's going to wrap it up here for the MMA weekend preview. Give us your thoughts on these fights. Make sure to check them out. Showtime will be showing Bellator and ESPN Plus for PFL. Or I'm sure you can watch it on just ESPN, the channel, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, but with that, Next time you guys are going to see us will be on Monday with the recap, MMA weekend recap. So we'll talk about all these fights we just talked about here. It will be a three-episode week, and Wednesday's episode is going to be a fun one because we're going back in time. (laughs) We're going back to episode number five where we predicted who the champion of each UFC division would be at that point one year later. Ladies and gentlemen, we are one year later. We, we are, are gonna, almost to the we, day when we do it. We are going to look and see how many we got right, which I can already tell you ain't going to be many. It ain't good. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go. Do, we're going to do it again. We're doing it again. Yeah. yeah. So uh, look forward to that on Wednesday. And then obviously Friday we'll be back again with another preview. So till then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram at Deasley14. More importantly, follow, engage, interact with the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore M-M-A podcast. For me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at NTBaker underscore. There's a link in my bio to take you to the link tree, which gives you all the links to the platforms the podcast is on, along with social media platforms. Um, so Instagram, Twitter's on there, along with Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. There's also a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor, shout out to Anchor. Thank you to Anchor. Been sticking with us since basically Almost day two. one. Yeah. Um, but they, they have a couple links on there for uh, leaving a voice message or um, if you want to become a supporter of the podcast, just send us a couple bucks. Uh, that would be great. But uh, with that, we're out, and we're going to see you all on Monday.